Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone, to the Daily Boogie. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for downloading. It's good to be with you. Have you recovered yet? <laughs> I think everyone had a late night last night. Um, if you weren't joining, if you didn't join us on Trust and Verify, uh, myself and my comrade James R. We did a broadcast. We, you know, commentated the speech. We did a little bit of a pre-show and a little bit of a wrap-up afterwards. If you want to get hold of that, you can do so by heading over. To the, the easiest way would be to go over to Twitter, look for at TAV Show, and you can find it that way, or go to TAVShow.com. It was really something else, the speech last night. We're going to... Look, a lot of people after these speeches, they dissect it. They want to, you know, like I explained yesterday in the podcast, and I, I was a little wrong. Sorry to get off track. Um, first things first, I'll put my hand up. I thought it was going to be like a milk toast affair, pretty bland. There's not going to be much to it. Um, I was very much mistaken <laughs> upon reflection. I didn't expect what we got last night from Donald Trump. I don't think a lot of people did expect what Donald Trump delivered. Um, and, you know, like I said in yesterday's show, there's always going to be an element of people diving in and picking out one sentence and blowing it up and making it a thing. I was wrong about that too because it seems like he hit so many points. It seems like Donald Trump landed so many knockout blows that the strategy is actually to not pick out anything from the speech at all, <laughs> believe it or not, and just make it about something that wasn't in the speech, which I'll, I'll show you during the course of this episode, which is something else. Um, but I put it down to, look, I'm, you know, I'm, political speech is like a hobby of mine. And, you know, I've got books about, you know, the greatest political speeches, I've dabbled in a little bit of writing, um, so I really take a keen interest in this stuff, and I've I've watched a lot of political speeches, and when you watch them a lot, you kind of develop a callus to it. Um, you care more about the mechanics and the structure and the rhetoric in order to achieve certain goals. You know, like in the speech rhetorical analysis we did not long ago. Uh, for both Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. So you care more about the mechanics of what the speech is trying to achieve. Rather, You don't tend to get caught up in you know the emotional ups and downs that are specifically written in for the audience benefit in order to achieve certain outcomes. And so just looking at it really objectively, I would have to say that it was one of the best, most well-constructed speeches that I've ever watched. And, you know, I don't think that's going to change. Like, this is a full day later now. We're a full 24 hours later at this point at the time of recording this. And it really was um, another level beyond. It, it's, it's almost like Donald Trump said to himself, this is going to be the moment. You know, this, this is my chance to really grab this presidency by the neck and make it something. And unfortunately, we live in a time where objectivity is so sparse. It's so rare to find genuine objectivity in the analysis of these kinds of events. You're, you're just going to find the regular corporate press 
uh, hate, outrage, porn. It's going to be thrown upon you lavishingly. You know, like like rose petals for a, a king as he walks through his courtyard. They're just spraying the hate around and expecting you to trot along and whistle on the way to the conclusion that they provide for you, like a hot Roman bath or something. See Marco Rubio for that, by the way, apparently. Apparently. But I think in years to come, like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, people will look back on last night's speech and say, that was, that was a good one. That was a good one. And I don't think he gets the credit for his delivery. I don't think he gets as much credit as he should. Obviously, people who are fans of Donald Trump say that, oh, he's a brilliant speech maker and stuff. But he does have an uncanny ability, like that, that, that really hard quality to find in politics and that, that it's genuine likability and relatability. I mean, there was even times where he was, he went off script and, you know, just a, a quick, a quick witted line. And even the Democrats who spend 365 days a year telling all in sundry how much they despise him, they hate him, they can't stand him, he's awful, he shouldn't be there, he's a criminal, all of that shit. And he was, he was spitting out lines and they were laughing. They couldn't help it. I mean, any speech where you get the opposite, the opposite side, and consider where we are here. Like, this shit doesn't exist in a vacuum. He had the Democrats standing up chanting, USA, USA, USA. And, you know, they're about to sit down. He said, oh, don't sit down yet. You're going to love this. And they laughed. And I said to James during the, tele, uh, during the broadcast, I said, look at the atmosphere in there. Yeah, it's something that you could identify years ago when Donald Trump first announced his candidature for the presidency, for the Republican nomination in the primary. He has an ability to make the crowd eat out of the palm of his hand. He, he is a dead set natural. He was born for these kinds of events. You can tell. It comes naturally to him. He can read a room and he knows what to do at what time to do it in order to get the best possible reaction. And that was evident last night. So, of course, this sends the corporate press into a tailspin because how the hell are you supposed to cover this, right? Well, <clears throat> I'm glad you asked by proxy through me. <laughs> wow, that's really narcissistic, isn't it? But I'm glad you asked because that's exactly what we're going to take a little dip into today. So thanks for joining us. Uh, by the way, if you want to become a subscriber of the show, please hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Become a supporter of the show. I appreciate every single supporter of the show. You make the show possible. And I'll just let you know, um, through you know, contributions from you guys, I've been able to upgrade microphones here in the home studio. I've been able to buy little tidbits, get some software along the way. Every, everything that I get from that goes right back into this. And I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways to improve. And you help accelerate that that curve of improvement. So I just want to say how much I appreciate you. And if you want to become one of those supporters, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And of course, as always, I don't block anyone. I'm a free speech absolutist. If you want to hurl insults or praise or whatever at me, head over to twitter.com and look for at boogie bumper. So let's kick it off today with, I, I, <laughs> I might be outing myself here. 
I subscribe to the Washington Post and the New York Times. Now, before you pick up your flaming torch and head over to my place to chase me into the cornfield, let me explain. I subscribe to these publications purely because I, I, I have a keen interest in tracking what they do. I want to know. When I found out that the New York Times was failing and the Washington Post was losing money and they were looking at potentially laying people off, I thought now is the time to get in. <laughs> I'm not joking. I saw these news reports and I thought now is the time to subscribe because I want to watch the unraveling in real time. I want the email updates. You know, I want the ridiculous narratives delivered to my door every single morning. I don't want to have to chase you up. I want you to bring your bullshit to me. Back the bullshit truck up my driveway and dump a pile of your specific, your branded steaming turds on my doorstep. And I will peruse them with pleasure and then dissect them for your pleasure, the audience. So... I was eagerly awaiting my email update this morning from the Washington Post, and I wasn't disappointed. Today's worldview, unfortunately, I, you know, I normally do the show links, but I can't link the, the newsletter. I think you can sign up to the newsletter for free. I'm not sure. So if you want to, I'm not encouraging anybody to go to the Washington Post and sign up to the newsletter, but I'm just saying if you want to double check, if you want to fact check me or something like that, um, I think you can sign up to the newsletter. Uh, under worldview and this is the thing that will be delivered in your inbox but i'm not sure i'm not sure i have a subscription so i don't know so anyway you'll have to take my word for it if you don't that's fine <laughs> i've got no reason to lie if i lie it's only going to make it worse for me and not as good as it is today's worldview ishan tharor ladies and gentlemen the glaring hole in trump's address climate change <laughs> President Trump's State of the Union address Tuesday night zigzagged between peons to unity and sops to his hardcore base. He eulogized World War II soldiers and then wheeled on immigrants and leftist rivals at home. And straight away, I thought, hang on, wheeled on immigrants? There was a particular time in the speech where Donald Trump rather skillfully, I thought, because you know the popular narrative coming from Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats has been to cast the wall as, you know, an obsession, uh, a tyrannical, medieval, idiotic non-solution. It's an obsession. It's a vanity project. And it's inherently immoral for all of those reasons, right? It's an immoral thing to do. So whoever whoever worked on Trump's speech, it was probably a team of people and they probably took a very long time because, it, like I said, it was very well crafted, very well structured, from in my opinion anyway. And whatever that's worth, probably not much. And he spoke about, you know, legal immigrants coming in and their feel-good stories. And he actually flipped it and said, we have a moral responsibility to protect them like the subtext of what he was saying at that particular time in the speech. And we might do a rhetorical analysis at some point down the line. I don't know if it'll be worth it or not uh, by the time we do it. But he flipped it around to say, no, not having a wall, not having a barrier is immoral. You're putting people at risk and it's unfair to the legal immigrants who come in. And you can see just in this first paragraph of this Washington Post newsletter, it's the same old trick. It's the same old damn thing that they do all the time. Blurring the lines between immigrant and migrant and illegal immigrant. They're not all the same thing. 
Donald Trump did not wheel on immigrants. He actually said, I want more immigrants than ever to come to this country. How is that wheeling on immigrants? How is that attacking immigrants? It is literally the exact opposite thing. Literally. He said, I want people to come in, but they must come in legally. That's the key. But for the supposed well-educated author of this newsletter, oh, we, do, we don't worry about inserting legally in there. Yeah, if you wanted to write, see, this is the this is the shit that people get um, finicky about, and this is why you get a reputation as pushing fake news, whether whether you think it's deserved or not. If you put in wheeled on immigrants instead of wheeled on illegal immigration, then people inherently trigger at that point. They know what you're doing. Everybody can see what you're doing. Everybody can see the deception here. You, you are not some kind of journalistic, propagandistic genius. You are not the second coming of Edward Bernays or Joseph Goebbels. You're neither of those. You're not fit to make coffee in Bernays' office. You're not that good. So everybody can see what you're up to here. Well, he wheeled on immigrants. No, he didn't. And I think that he knows, I think the author of this newsletter knows, but I think he's relying on the fact that the majority of his audience wouldn't have watched it or wouldn't have paid attention or just don't care. They, they just want to hate Trump. That's, that's the main thing. That's the only thing that matters. And so once you understand it in that context, in that framing, everything else that follows makes sense. Listen to this. But Absent admits that the nativist demagoguery and partisan jockeying was any reference to the threat looming above all others, climate change. (laughs) (laughs) And see, now, so here's the speech. We don't address anything directly in the speech. We just diminish it with, you know, straw man arguments, not even straw man arguments, not even up to that level. But we just diminish the speech completely. Well, you know, demagoguery, uh, wheeling on immigrants and leftist rivals at home. Yeah, it was just crap. But even though it was crap, he didn't even address this thing, climate change, and then you're off at the races. You're out of the gate. We've got the border. We've got we've got illegal immigration. We've got nativist demagoguery. But climate change, ladies and gentlemen, down the outside, climate change is the winner for the mainstream media, for the corporate press. You don't address anything directly. Bernie Sanders actually did this 30 minutes after the speech. I saw, I saw him in the crowd chewing on his pen with his notepad trying to come up with counter-narratives. This is the best he could do. The presidential hopeful, this is what he came up with. And even lower than that, you know, in a kind of corporate press to politician human caterpillar, Bernie Sanders has eaten the speech and crapped out a narrative that, oh, well, Donald Trump didn't even mention climate change. And as though the Washington Post lips were surgically attached to Bernie Sanders' ass, they're now swallowing his crap and crapping it into your mouth. Bernie Sanders is the one who came up with this whole angle. The Washington Post said, well, we got nothing. We may as well run with that. Please crap into my mouth, Mr. Sanders. I can't wait to crap into the mouth of the voting public. Oh, you didn't even mention the biggest threat looming above all others, climate change. From the people who want to fact check things, right? 
everybody knows that climate change in terms of, you know, importance to the general public as a threat is way down the list, way down the list. I don't even think it ranks in top 10 anymore. That's how little people care about climate change these days. Even though we've had harsh summers and brutal winters, people have more pressing priorities. How about getting a fucking job, for for one, for starters? Ah, but you can't say that. You can't mention that because then you'd have to mention that Donald Trump spoke about record employment numbers, and we can't talk about that because that was in the speech. We've got to get your attention off the speech. We've got to draw you away. It is low-tier, low-hanging fruit, bottom-feeding redirection, and it's also cowardice. It's cowardly. Journalists of a bygone era, if they hated Donald Trump, they would have, they would have found counter-arguments. They would have taken the speech on directly. Even though it was a formidable presentation, they would have found a way. But these days, you don't even, you don't even try. You don't even do it. And, and this is another thing that's plainly obvious to people, right? Take Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for example. Now, if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and c- comes out and makes a speech about un- and, and says unemployment is low because everybody's working two jobs, People will then take those words and argue against them. They'll say, no, that's wrong because of this. If Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Elizabeth Warren comes out or, you know, Julian Castro or whoever it is, insert lefty here, whoever it is, comes out and makes a speech and says, we need 70% tax on the rich, for example, critics of that policy will say, you said 70% tax on the rich. Here's why that's a bad idea and attack it directly. What the Washington Post and other public uh, publications are doing here by saying, well, he didn't even address the thing that he didn't talk about. Let's talk about that instead. It would be like if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or any, anybody, it doesn't matter. It would be as though somebody comes out, makes a speech and says 70% tax on the rich is a good thing. And then you, as a response, say, well, you didn't even mention repealing tampon taxes. And at that point, the person who's making the speech has every right to look at you with a dumb look on their face and drool dribbling out of the left side of their mouth onto their plaid shirt and go, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you know, your speech was full of empty promises and demagoguery and appeals, sops to your base, but you didn't even mention the most important thing, repealing the tampon tax. Like, that is, that is the easiest thing to do. That is literally the easiest thing to do. It is the journalistic equivalent of crawling, that kind of stuff. You know, I, I, can't, I can't address anything directly, so I'm just going to make up a new thing. And instead of rebutting things that you say, I'm going to force you to rebut what I say. <laughs> I think there should be a 70% tax on the rich. Well, this speech was full about this speech was full of promises about increasing taxes and promises to the homeless and welfare recipients, but you didn't even mention petrol prices. Speaking of petrol prices, here's why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is wrong on petrol prices. And away you go. And you can just write. And this newsletter, if you, if you bother to look at it, 
And after, from that point, it's paragraph after paragraph after paragraph after paragraph about global warming. And it's nothing to do with the speech at all. Look, Trump is certainly at odds with this global scientific community, including leading scientists in the United States and even his own government. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh. He, didn't, he didn't even talk about climate change. Oh, my God. Exactly. He didn't even talk about climate change. This is supposed to be a commentary on the speech. It's not at all. This is not a commentary on the on the State of the Union address. <laughs> it's a soliloquy about climate change, which this author, you know, he has every right, but in his opinion is the most important thing about the speech that wasn't mentioned in the speech. Of course we know that's ridiculous. They just need to divert you away from anything that the president said that might have an impact. And that's, how you, and that's how you can tell at this point who are the journalists who attack things with genuine intellectual humility, like genuinely trying to bring you some kind of insight or some kind of reporting, and the propagandists. It's that simple. If they can't even mention the actual speech that they're claiming to be writing about and instead make the whole arrangement about something else entirely, a different subject entirely, you know what's happening. You know it deep down. You're being played for a sucker at that point. Got another article here from a local news agency, SBS News, here in Australia. SBS is a taxpayer-funded, partially taxpayer-funded, I think it's like 70 or 80% taxpayer-funded. They do sell some commercial airtime. Um, it was started and is most used as like a foreign language service, but they do have English-speaking programs on there. It's not bad. They, they have some good stuff on there. Um, but their writing division from time to time can be pretty obvious. Nancy Pelosi's, this is the headline, Nancy Pelosi's sarcastic clap and other unmissable moments of Trump's so-to speech. <laughs> so at one point, Nancy Pelosi got up and, you know, apparently, allegedly, sarcastically clapped. I, I guess this is open for interpretation. Whereas uh, you remember Donald Trump mocking the disabled man? That's not open for interpretation. That was a literal thing. That wasn't sarcastic at all. That wasn't, you know, him being humorous at all. He was literally mocking disabled people when he did that. So take it from the same people who say that, that Nancy Pelosi was absolutely doing a sarcastic speech. You, if you click on the link in the show notes, you can look at the video yourself, see what you think. But <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's sarcastic clap and other unmissable moments. <laughs> see, everything else about the speech itself is relegated to second level. Like the most unmissable thing was the person not delivering a speech, not saying anything, but standing up and clapping in a way that we deem to be sarcastic. Can you believe this shit? Like, and, and these outlets have the audacity, the, the pure, distilled, concentrated audacity to claim that you're the problem here. Oh, you just don't like facts. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't you just don't appreciate good journalism. Quote, US President Donald Trump's speech ignited the passions of his supporters and detractors. Here are some of the moments that fixated the attention of social media users. And yes, it is as bad as you think. 
we are going to be quoting opinions from anonymous social media users. I kid you not. Quote, the pundits can keep talking and ruminating about this speech, but what you are going to remember about tonight is this photo of this photo moment of a lifetime of an iconic woman saying F you to a sexist man child. That was from Jen in the 314. Believe it or not. I, I'm eagerly awaiting Jen in the 314's book on political philosophy, speeches, and general optics in the media game. I can't wait. Um, there was another one here. Let's just see if I can find it. Nancy Pelosi distracts out-of-control toddler with rendition of Baby Shark. That one comes from Christina Catarucci. <laughs> that, that pearl of wisdom. It's unbelievable. And again, like uh, Eugene Gu, MD, he says, the best moment of the State of the Union address was when Speaker Nancy Pelosi dog-walked Trump with a single clap. I've noticed this dog-walk term come in. Cardi B said it against Tommy Laren the other day. I don't know. Isn't that, isn't that kind of a fetish thing? Yeah, hey, like, you know what? If, if I meet the right girl, I, I may be open to being put on a leash and being dog-walked. It might be kind of hot. Who's to say? I don't know. Don't knock it till you try it. This kind of language in, you know, talking about, I'm going to dog walk you. <laughs> I, I would have thought that would be incredibly sexist at one point, wouldn't it? Isn't it? I, everything else is sexist. How the hell is that not sexist? I don't get it. How, is, how the hell is that allowed to slip through the net? I can't keep up. So I'm just going to have to call everyone an asshole now just to feel at level, at peace with the world. The best moment of the State of the Union address was when Speaker Nancy Pelosi dog-walked Trump with a single clap. This is her house, and Trump is an undocumented guest. If, if Donald Trump is an undocumented guest, ladies and gentlemen, then shouldn't she be welcoming, uh, welcoming him? <laughs> why is she, she dog-walking the undocumented guest? She should be welcoming him with open arms. She should be trying to register him as a Democrat. That's that's the general standard operating procedure or SOP. That's the SOP these days, isn't it? The other thing too here is like I find a little bit ironic is if the greatest moment of the speech was the woman behind Donald Trump getting up and slow clapping, then your side really doesn't have much to stand on, do they? Like you really don't have much in the bank if you have to draw on a uh, an alleged sarcastic clap from Nancy Pelosi and say we won, we got, we own this shit, we got him, we got him right where we want him. Huh. Yeah, rock on, Democrats, progress up your ass, Donald Trump. Did you see that clap from Nancy Pelosi? Did you see that shit from Nancy Pelosi? Oh man, she dog walked him. We kicking ass, baby. If, 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 if that's all you've got is like a slow clap, you don't have anything. <laughs> you realise that, don't you? You can't address anything in the speech. Let's talk about climate change. Oh, what? You don't want to talk about climate change? Fine. All right, I'll give you a genuine argument. Let's talk about Nancy Pelosi owning Donald Trump with the slow clap. Like, do, do you realise how stupid you look? How pathetic you look? 
how void of imagination you look. Like, even be imaginative. Be creative. Find something in the speech. It's almost better if you contort and twist and manipulate something that Donald Trump actually said. For, for well, You do every other time. What's the difference now? There's your indication. That's what tells you that he got it so right. He nailed it. He hit the nail so hard on the head that the story needs to be about shit that he didn't say and the type of clap Nancy Pelosi delivered. Amazing, isn't it? Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you want to become a subscriber, hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Become a supporter by heading over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And of course, you can dog walk me on Twitter by following at boogie bumper. Till next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.